Gate, <clears throat> excuse me, have been going through a series entitled Hope Beyond Sight. We've looked at uh, our mission and vision plan, the truth that it is grounded on and in, um, taking a, a time each week to, to look at the truth about who it is that God is calling us and desiring us to be, and how through prayer and discernment, uh, there's been an understanding of some of the things that, that we could do, some of the things that we could walk towards, direction, a road map, so that we could become. And I want to say it is so easy, isn't it? You think about living your lives in the world as followers of Jesus Christ. And all it will take is something that you're going to experience tomorrow to recognize that it is really, really easy to become distracted. To have things happen that, that get between you and God and cause you to, to lose focus. And perhaps even to become consumed by it. And I share that just because of the, the need and the desire to continually Strive to just walk with God and to give Him praise and to give Him thanks for all of the things that He does. That's so incredible each and every day. So that that pipeline of praise is continually flowing out of your heart up to the great Lord our God unceasingly. Because, again, Satan just desires, he tries to derail that each and every day in any way that he possibly can. And that's why I'm so thankful to be here with you today that we can gather together, hopefully uninhibited and unhindered to give God praise and to give Him thanks and exalt His name together. To have hope beyond sight in terms of our worship. We've looked at that in terms of discipleship, in terms of fellowship, in terms of mission, and this morning we're going to focus on worship. What it means to be giving God praise and worship that he's worthy of that's due his name the psalms are filled with incredible truth about praising god they just ooze it i love reading them and we're actually going to read a psalm that's not in the book of psalms but in first chronicles chapter 16 verses 23 to 29 i invite you to open up an electronic device or the Bible and just read that with me in just a moment. But I want to give you some context about it before we do. As you jump back just a chapter in First uh, Chronicles 15 and 16, it really describes the occasion for the writing of these words. A, a letter of thanks, verse 7 says, that David had written in response to what had taken place. What had taken place was this. Um, David had orchestrated works to get the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe you remember, um, maybe not, but the Ark had been taken away by the Philistines, had been captured, and it had bounced around a little bit because all kinds of bad things happened to the Philistines when they had it. And so he said, we don't want this anymore, so they gave it back. Well, David orchestrates, plans, works out for it to come back to its rightful place, back to the temple. And so, and so he plans a massive celebration for this. They're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant 
the place where all of Israel recognized that the glory of God, the presence of God resided. They're going to bring that Ark of the Covenant back into the temple so that the glory and the presence of the Lord would fill it. And so there's this tremendous celebration that's planned. And as you look at and read in chapter 15, they had all kinds of musical instruments. Lyres and harps and cymbals and flutes and trumpets. All playing. And so just try to envision that. All playing as the Ark of the Covenant is starting to make its way into the city. And all kinds of singing by all kinds of choirs. It was something else. A beautiful time of worship and of praise. And in the middle of it all was David. Second Samuel 6 verse 14 says he was there celebrating and dancing with all his might. So much so, maybe you remember this about the story. It's recorded in Second Samuel 6 and in First Chronicles 15. So much so that his um, wife was looking through a window and saw him dancing with all his might and thought he was incredibly Foolish. She was appalled by it. For just a minute, think about that. And I have a question for you. Has your worship of God ever caused anybody to think that you were foolish? I thought about that. I'm sure it has. Simply giving your time to be here this morning. Or week after week, there are people who think that's foolish. There's plenty of other things you could be doing, even on a soggy morning. But we're here, just as David was, to worship the great Lord our God. And I hope, I hope with a heart that is unleashed, that with all of our being, We are here to worship the great Lord our God. I want to read these words for you out of 1 Chronicles 16, verses 23 to 29. And just open your hearts uh, to praising God as you hear them. Hear the word of the great Lord our God. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and joy are His dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. This is the Word of God. Might it be written on our hearts and lived in our lives. There's an incredible truth and great power in those words. 
And, and as I prepared this week, I thought of the words of Jesus when he was asked, I'm tested actually, what is the greatest commandment? Maybe you remember his answer, Matthew 22, verse 37. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And all the commandments hang hang on that and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus certainly wasn't speaking in contrast to the commandments. Maybe remember what the first four commandments are all about. The first four commandments are all about worshiping God, giving Him glory, having Him be the only God in our hearts and in our lives. Worshiping God and loving God are woven together. When you truly love God, when you have Him filling up your heart day after day, there's there's just this this automatic response I would submit to you of worship and isn't it true when you're genuinely worshiping God you are loving God there's this expression of love to God that's what I love about the Psalms they're just filled with those expressions of love and worship they're woven together beautifully psalm after psalm and the words that we read in our text are just full of them. And I just want to break it down, go through it um, bit by bit to share those truths. Again, written after the Ark of the Covenant was in its place. It was time to give God complete praise. And we see that in the words of our text. Verses 23 and 24, I'll read them again for you. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all the peoples. Sing. Declare His glory when, day after day. Think about that for a moment. How is it and when is it that we can give God worship and praise? There's a tremendous truth in verses 23 and 24. Yeah, I, I think one of, the, one of the greatest mistakes that we can make as followers of Jesus Christ, as people of God, is to reduce our worship of God, to define it, to put it into a box of one hour a week in one place. And yet sometimes when we think of worship, that, that's all that comes to our mind, right? We're going to go to church on Sunday at 9.30 or if you are here as a guest and you're maybe worshiping somewhere else, 10 o'clock, 11, whatever it is, and we're going to worship. God says in his word, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Go out and proclaim his deeds, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Worshiping and proclaiming God day after day, singing, giving God praise and glory constantly, unceasingly in the world in which we live, where we live it. It's a profound thought. And it's a great truth. And I would submit to you, that's what he calls us to when we think of worship. Yes, we're called to worship, to gather together. More on that in a few minutes. 
but we're called to worship him each and every day in the living of our lives. I love the words of Psalm 34, 1 that say, I'll extol, extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Always. Even when it rains. Have you had enough of that lately? Yeah. This week, um, I thought of a great song by Mercy Me. Maybe you've heard it. Man, I'll praise you in the rain. That that song came to my mind a few times this past week as I was outside doing things, wishing it wasn't raining. But rain is good. If you know the words of that song or you think about what it means to praise God in the rain, it goes a little deeper than just drops on your shoulders. See, we all go through storms, dark times. Praising God in the midst of those moments is difficult. But it creates a whole other um, view of what it is that we're experiencing in the moment. And we know that despite the raindrops and the hard and difficult things sometimes that we experience, that the God that we serve and the God that we praise and the God that we worship will lead us out of those moments, out of darkness, into light. Stretched, grown, impacted to be sure, but hopefully in new and good and glorious ways. Sing to the Lord, declare His glory day after day and acknowledge that He is God, that there is no God like our God, that He's worthy of our praise. Look at the words of verses 25 to 27. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. One of the ways that we can praise God is to make sure that in our hearts that there is no doubts, there are no thoughts, There are no worries or concerns that God is not God, and He is the Lord above all things. And maybe we hear that and we think, no problem here, I got that. And then we start to think about the living of life. Again, because it's really easy for those things called idols or things that we worship and we praise to start to take precedent and to have many names. There's always that concern and that possibility. But God says, no, I'm the Lord your God. I'm worthy of your praise, of your adoration, of your worship. And indeed he is. The worth, uh, the praise and worship worthy of his name. What does that look like? What would that look like? for each and every one of us to make sure that day after day that that was true. And, and maybe you can relate to it because that's something you resonate with, something that you can just envision in beautiful, wonderful ways because it's something that happens 
in your heart and in your life. I would praise the Lord for that. And I want to tell you, I have to just praise God for the way in which I've seen worship of Him take on different forms through the hearts and the lives of you, God's people. It's just been beautiful to see the worship and the praise that comes out in all kinds of different ways. To see God at work in your hearts and in your lives is just a tremendous privilege. And I'm so incredibly thankful and grateful for it and how God does that in our hearts and lives together. It's a wonderful thing acknowledge that he alone is God. I think of the words of Psalm 118 verse 28. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. And so when you see that, when you see that um, visibly in wonderful ways, it's, it's awesome when people give expression to that. It's tremendous. And I hope indeed and that's true of us all of the time. That anybody who would see us, anybody who'd spend any amount of time with us would know, would know who God is. And would know who He is to us. That there would be an unmistakable, clear message sent out of the living of life and out of our praise and our worship to the great Lord our God. That it is He that we live for. The God who created the universe and who loved us enough to die for us specifically is our God. And we praise His name. And the words of verses 28 and 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Ascribe, give. Just give to God the glory and the strength that he deserves. Again, David, there's so many instances of that. And I thought immediately when I, when I read those words too of Psalm 8, it's a psalm that um, begins and ends with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name over all of the earth. And then in the middle, David thinks about, I can just see him sitting there and pondering it, and there's truth about recognizing that God created the universe. He, he was a, a shepherd, and so he spent a lot of time looking up to the starry sky. And the words of, of that psalm says, but then, but then you created me and you, you gave us dominion, human beings. In all of creation, all of the things that I see and know, you placed us above that, gave us special dominion, and, and created us as you did in a beautiful and a wonderful way. He says, fearfully and wonderfully in Psalm 139. Think about that for a moment. What a great and a glorious God. How awesome is that? You, you are a fearful and wonderful human being created in the image of God. Everybody here. It's a beautiful thing to praise the Lord for. It's awesome and it's incredible to think about. And there are so many blessings, isn't there, that He pours into our hearts and our lives? 
Maybe sometimes we're not too quick or we don't really want to acknowledge that. If we're having one of those, you know, pity parties, we're feeling bad for ourselves, sorry. But God's goodness is overwhelming. And besides that, think about this for just a moment. And you think about the words of this passage. Proclaim a salvation day after day, verse 23. His goodness is grace. You could take away every single thing that is good in your life, save salvation, and you still would be blessed beyond measure. Think about it. Every single thing that you call good. And if all you had was the grace of Jesus, you would have everything that you need. Everything. I hope you do. Because then not just all of your days, but all of your eternity would be set in place. And God would be revealing his goodness and his grace to you. Just as he does. Give him the glory he deserves glory that's due his name it's a profound thing grace worthy of celebrating unabashedly or treasures in jars of clay do you remember um, again the occasion for the writing of these words I shared just a few moments ago context. The Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God containing the glory of God being returned to its rightful place. Now why why should we be so filled with praise and worship of God? Because of where the presence of God is today. Second Corinthians 4 speaks about everyone who is in Jesus Christ as someone who contains this treasure in a jar of clay. It is almost unimaginable to me that God has given to me and to you, to anyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ, the gift of His Spirit inside. The presence of God Dwelling no longer in a box, but in you. It is mind-blowing to think about what that means. And it speaks of the relationship that God desires to have with each and every one of us. Who it is that He calls us, that He teaches us to become, and has given us the capability to be. Just as when you were born, molded and shaped, given all kinds of gifts, and then as you grow and as you live your life, you, you grow into those things, so too already in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the moment you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, the capability to be, to be a person, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That radiates his glory in a lost and hurting world and does things that are astounding, not because of you, although you're pretty cool, but because of the presence and the goodness and the glory of God inside. It's amazing. Give 
to God the glory due his name. And at Rehoboth, um, we treasure and, and celebrate, I trust and hope, this time together, this time of worship where we can, as a body of Jesus Christ, be united in spirit and in worship to praise His holy and precious name. And this is who um, we believe that God desires us to be in this time and again beyond it. Worshippers who are filled with uncontainable joy by His Holy Spirit who gather and unite to praise and exalt our God with passion and with reverence. I'll read that one more time. There it is. Worshippers filled with uncontainable joy by His Holy Spirit who gather and unite in praise and exalt our God with passion and reverence. That's who we would desire to be as we worship together as a body of Jesus Christ. And we have some visions and some thoughts about that. A couple of things um, pertinent to our time together. Because I hope and trust the worship that you have with God um, all the other hours of the week. That, that you pursue that and you think about what that means and what that looks like. And how it is that you can be a true worshiper of God in all situations. But for this time together, a couple of thoughts about how it is that we can move towards that. The first is this, to create seamless worship that brings forth a spirit of unity, joy, and genuine presence, a passion for those leading and gathered that exalts God. I think about that moment of the ark coming in to Jerusalem and into the temple and all of the unhindered, all the unabashed worship and praise that was going on. And that's what I envision when I think of worshiping God worshiping God um, together as a body. The nation of Israel was there. And so that's the hope, that's the, the vision that we can have together um, week after week. And then the second is to equip teams to be united, spirit-filled worshipers that exalt God. And I'm certainly not um, implying that we don't have that and that that's the goal and that's the hope all of the time that people that are worshiping God and the pews and on the platform do it together. And it's clear and it's evident that what we're gathered for is worship. And that's what we're doing. That's who we're being. People that give praise and worship to the great Lord our God. It's a vision. It's a hope beyond sight that that would be true all of the time continually at this time together. But then, of course, too, that it'd be a lifestyle. And I have had the privilege and the opportunity to experience incredible moments of worship in so many different places I can't even list them all. I'm standing on sacred ground on a mountain in the middle of nowhere in Guatemala to worshiping God. I'm almost feeling the ground shake in a stadium in an arena with thousands of other people. To worshiping God perched up on a tree all by myself in the middle of the woods. Worshiping God in a field and on a lake. And then here together with the body of Jesus. God cannot be contained to one place 
for one hour. And our worship of Him can flow unceasingly, beautifully, in wonderful ways, just as it's described in the text that we read. And put um, to song and, and expressed beautifully in a wonderful song called Indescribable by Chris Tomlin. I, I'd like you just to, to think about worship and your worship of God. And if you know the words of the song, you can, can sing all but But just go there and listen to this song about worship.
is. Let's praise God in prayer. Lord God, you're an amazing God. All of the things that we see and we experience because of your goodness. Then, oh God, your grace poured out in precious and in beautiful ways in our hearts and in our life. We praise your name. Lord, as a body of Jesus Christ, individual followers, it's our prayer that our worship, our worship, O oh Lord, would be worthy of your name. And we give you the glory and the honor. Let's do it. In your name we pray. Amen.